We've all imagined them, or maybe even seen them on TV or in a movie. Epic conquests that test your outermost limits and change what you believe is possible. Maybe it's crossing an Ironman finish line or finishing 100 miles through the Rocky Mountains. But with work and family and bills, those often seem out of reach for the average guy. Or maybe they're just reserved for the lucky ones who train for a living or have less on their plates. Well, we're just not willing to accept that. Yes, we have jobs and wives and kids, and we certainly aren't pro athletes. We're just average dudes, rejecting an average life. This is the 3OK Runners Podcast. Hey guys, it's Jeff. Enjoy these next few episodes where we dive a little deeper into the lives of the 3OK Runners. Brother Jared, Chief, and why we call him Chief, and then myself. Enjoy. All right, Chief, here we go. We're switching the hot seat to you for this episode. Uh, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into your life and a little bit of kind of how you ended up here. So I'll shoot straight from the hip and go first. So why in the world is your nickname Chief? What, you know, why do you call me Chief? Yeah. So um, I'm in the Navy currently, active duty, and my rank in the Navy is I am a senior chief in the Navy currently right now. And so the guys call me chief because of that. And so uh, I joined the Navy in 2004 and I've been in the Navy 16 and a half years now. Was very lucky and very fortunate enough to be selected to chief petty officer. Went through that initiation process. Uh, and then from there, I've done well. The Navy has done well for me, and I was selected to Senior Chief Petty Officer uh, two years ago, and I'm up for Master Chief soon. So uh, it's really neat how you guys have embraced that of being like the the being part of you know we have a thing we say in the Navy, ask the Chief, and you guys call me Chief just to cause, well realistically it's because Jared and I have the same exact name. So. <laughs> but uh, no, it's a fun part of the podcast. I'm sure there was questions behind it and why that is. But uh, if you're not familiar with it, look it up, Google it. It's tons of history. The Chief's been established since 1893, uh, April 1st. And uh, everything that goes behind that, and it's super neat to be a part of that and the organization behind that and the fraternity that goes with that. And it's much a part of who I am as a person. So tell me what what your job entails. Ooh, what my job entails. If I was to explain it as 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 easy, nothing as, classified. <laughs> I wish anything I did was classified. <laughs> Everything I do is super boring. But uh, what I do on a day, if I was to explain it as easy as possible, is I'm a mid level manager in the Navy. Um, I I grew up in the Navy. I turned wrenches. I worked on F-18s, in death valley in california so so go back even farther and this is a kind of remnants to my mom but join the navy i'm from southwest kansas i had never left southwest kansas in my entire life i literally just grew up there i was and when i joined the navy um they flew me to chicago and i had never been on an airplane before i didn't know how to get there I didn't know how to, I didn't know how all the airplane things worked and like the screens and stuff. And I remember asking this guy. He was so nice. I wish I could find you. You were such a nice guy. You helped me like nineteen sixty four. So are I think, you talking about like the departure and arrival screen? I wasn't. Like, yes, I was. Yeah, I'm not on Pan Am. I'm talking like the departure and arrival screens. I had no idea how that worked. He he helped me. I got there. I went to boot camp in Chicago. Finished boot camp. 
And from there, I remember boot camp was done. There was like two days left, and they gave me my orders. And they said, hey, this is where you're going. You're going to China Lake, California. And, I, and all I read was China. I was like, <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to China. <laughs> that might also explain the trouble with the screens. Yeah. Well, I'm a 19-year-old kid from Kansas. And I'm like, I'm going to China. And realistically, so I read it some more. I'm like, okay, I'm going to California. And I would ask all the kids that were from California, hey, where's China Lake? And they were like, I have no idea where China Lake is. And I'm like, I've oh. never heard of it myself. And I'm like, oh boy, I'm, I am really in for a journey here. If the California people don't even know where this is. And I remember the Navy put me on an airplane. We've gotten better nowadays. But they put me on an airplane. I was in Salt Lake City, Utah in the airport. Thanksgiving evening in my dress blues, not understanding a thing of where I was going or who I was or what I was supposed to be doing. There was this cryptic orders message in my hand that said that I needed to be in Lemoore, California at this day, but I didn't know how to get there. And I didn't know who was supposed to get me from Fresno to Lemoore. It was a big ordeal, but finally got from there from Lemoore. And my first duty station was... Again, like I said, China Lake, but it was Death Valley, Ridgecrest, California. From there, I went to Lemoore with VFA-2. I did multiple uh, deployments on the USS Abraham Lincoln aircraft carrier, CVN-72. Uh, that was from 2008 to 2011 time frame. So kind of um, during Iraqi Freedom campaign, kind of towards the end of that a little bit, kind of tailing off of that. Uh, from there, I was very fortunate to get selected to the Blue Angels. I went to the Blue Angels in Pensacola, California, uh, Pensacola, California, Pensacola, Florida for three years. Got to tour all over Canada and America and represent the Navy. That was such a phenomenal tour for me. I really, really enjoyed that. It really uh, grew me as a leader and grew me as an individual within the Navy organization itself. Uh, from there, I was, uh, again, my, my, my whole career is all lucky in timing. I'm sure that's true. 100%. I know you, and it's got to be true. Pure, pure luck. There's, there's no way they'd ever select you outside of pure luck. And uh, I was lucky enough to be selected to go to Tinker Air Force Base in Oklahoma City. My wife is from Oklahoma. I'm from Cal uh, Kansas, and we had kids. We just had twins at that point. And so being closer to family was just such a uh, unique opportunity for us, especially in the Navy. The first question I've always asked is, isn't Navy supposed to be around water? I'm just saying. And why are you in Oklahoma? And so getting to explain that's kind of cool too. But again, I've been lucky enough to stay here for multiple tours in Oklahoma. Uh, I'm currently on a tour in Oklahoma City, and I'm hoping to be able to continue my career in Oklahoma. I love Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah I'm, Jared, I remember, or Chief, not to, not to create confusion, but I remember when you were up for Senior Chief, and you were here, and... You didn't know if, if you made senior chief, if you would stay in Oklahoma City. And at that time, if you'll remember, we were training for Ironman Chattanooga together. That's right. Yeah. And so we're kind of in this period of, wait, what do you mean? You might, you might not be here. Uh, we're supposed to be training together. Sure. <laughs> what do you mean you can't just live wherever you want to live? That, what is it? that doesn't make any sense. That's very much part of the military culture of be prepared to move, be flexible. Everything we do in our in, in our lives, and my wife and the kids, and everything that we are is flexible. You've got to be flexible in the military career. I mean, you know, if, if you have success, that causes flexibility. If you make senior chief, hey, I might have to go 
somewhere else. I may have to go to California. I may have to go to South Carolina. I may have to go to Virginia. Uh, again, lucky enough, I was able to stay here, but that's not always the case for everybody. Yeah. So yeah, great point. Okay, yeah. less less serious question. How did you get your handle of Savage Navy Chief? <laughs> we did talk about that last episode. And that was more you. You gave me that handle because one you made fun of it was like Jared three, two, four, five, six, seven. Like what are you how are you gonna well, get people to I think you were the only person in history that just stuck with the stuck randomly with the assigned name that social media gives you. I'm so terrible with social media. And I just stuck with whatever Twitter gave me because it was like the most common whatever they give you. Exactly. And uh so we were going to Lakina and I love podcasts in general. I love Joe Rogan. And we were listening to Ben Greenfield, Joe Rogan podcast all the way to California from Oklahoma. Driving through the middle of the night. Wait, I don't remember this. No, Jeff doesn't remember a thing of it because (laughs) he went to sleep right outside Yukon and woke up about Barstow, California. (laughs) Bright eyed, bushy tail. I woke up one time and it was snowing somewhere. And then I went back to sleep. I was was like, we can't be in the right place. Because I stopped to pee in in Arizona that one time. Yeah. You got, and I have narcolepsy, and I, uh, you guys put the narcoleptic in charge of driving through the night, so <laughs> it was more of a risk on you than it was. At least I knew what was coming. You guys had no idea. Looking back, that seems like maybe a poor decision. Terrible life. Was, was that was that your first seventy point three? Yes, so that was my first seventy point three in a race setting. Um, as we go through the podcast, you understand I'm so much of a planner. I like to know what I'm getting into before I get into it. I don't know if it's the military in me or what, but for my birthday, every year for my birthday, I run one mile for every year I've been alive. And to me, that's a reminder of, I like to suffer a little bit and and say, Hey, you know what? Um, kind of the David Goggins approach to it. Like you're lucky to be alive for another year. So why don't you get out there and once you run, a mile for every year you've been born every single year. And that year, instead of running the mileage, I did the uh, I did Ironman distance on my own. I went to the pool in Moore, Oklahoma, and I swam the, the proper distance, got on my bike, and I biked all the way from Moore out to Draper and around Draper a couple times, back to the house. And then I went and ran a half marathon for my birthday. And, uh, you know, what a, what a better way to celebrate your birthday. Most people like eat cake and, and drink beer. But for me, it was just trying to remind her that you're alive. And so I had done a 70.3 distance before, but it was very broken up. It wasn't a realistic setting. But yes, that was my first ever 70.3 in a race was Lakina when we went to California. Okay, so back to your story. We're, we were listening to podcasts on the way out to Laquita. We're driving overnight. This was a this was a quick trip, remember? I mean, this was not yeah. one of those like, hey, let's fly out to Palm Springs. We'll <laughs> hang out for a week. We'll do the 70.3 when we get... This was the three of us only. No families, no wives. It's, hey, let's leave on a Thursday after work. We'll drive through the night. We'll get there Friday or race Saturday, drive through the night, be home Sunday. Right? Remember that? I do. And we got in and out, which was super important, too. Oh, my gosh. Phenomenal. Post-race in and out. Is there a better post-race meal than in and out? If there is, you need to ride into it. Well, I'm not sure I knew what to order because when you guys ordered, I was like, where are we eating? Like, that's not even an option on the menu that I'm looking at. But secret society? I don't understand what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, we listen to so we were listening to Ben Grill, Ben Greenfield podcasts, and he's much of like a what do you call it like a, a human 
biohack guy. Yeah. 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 He likes to try to find biohack stuff. It was interesting. He was talking about like coffee enemas, and we thought that was the most funniest thing we've ever heard. I didn't even <laughs> know that was a thing. I'm like, people would do this, you know? And so... We got enlightened to a whole new world so of So we coffee. all three tried it, right? We all three tried the coffee in a Well, month. we told you that we tried it. <laughs> <laughs> I was the only one who actually did. I don't, want, I don't want to make it weird. <laughs> oh, but um, Then we listened to Joe Rogan and stuff. And I know he had made, if you correct me if I'm wrong, Jerry, because you're really the reason why that's behind there. But he had made a, he was like, oh, that's savage or savage something. And we kind of were just joking around about savage and stuff. Is that where it came from? That's where it came that from. So came we from. were, we were, you know, they were throwing around, and it, it was in the, it was in the Goggins, it was in all of that sort of mold, and we were all kind of driving out on this, you know, I don't know, sixteen-hour drive or something, and you know, you, your mind wanders and you talk about crazy stuff, and you think about crazy stuff. So that's what we were doing, and and I think all of us were sort of dealing with that idea in our own heads of are we savages or are we you know normal I think guys? he was interviewing the woman that won one of the races and she had beaten the second place person who was like a man that was quite like that was hours. Hours. Yeah. Yeah. And, Moab and he was like that's so savage and we're like savage that's a great word and that's where it kind of stemmed from is like, do we have that mentality? Like, oh, are we, are we capable? This is of, coming back to me. Are we capable of that kind of pushing your body, no matter what everybody else is doing around you to see if it's in there? Yeah. So chief, th- what happened was we were talking, you remember the lemur coffee they were talking about? The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what happened was we decided we were eating pizza, drinking some beers about, I don't know, 24 don't- hours before we were supposed to be running the seven. I don't remember a whole bunch of it. <laughs> and so what happened was we were going to tweet oh, yeah. Joe Rogan we did. and Ben Greenfield. Yeah. And we were going to have you do it. And so I was like, okay, you know, what's what's your Twitter handle? And you're like, well, it's Jared789456. <laughs> and we go, okay, Joe Rogan and Ben Greenfield are not going to respond to this. <laughs> what is a Twitter handle we can put out there that they might actually respond to? And that's when it was Savage Navy Chief. And and I was a chief at that time. And so, and I don't want to change it now. Just I mean, a chief is a chief. And if you're in the Navy, you understand what I'm saying. I mean... Chief, Senior Chief, Master Chief, we're all chiefs together. And so I didn't want to change it because I thought it was like, that was kind of a cool handle to it, you know, Savage Navy Chief. And uh, yeah, that is where that came from. I honestly could not, like, it wasn't the, I mean, I don't know if it had anything to do with the beer that we were drinking that night, but I didn't remember exactly how I ended up with that. (laughs) I do remember you making fun of me like, dude, you can't be serious. Like, you think Joe Rogan's going to reply to a guy with that handle? You look like a bot. <laughs> That's exactly uh, right. That is weird. Okay, came. Jared, let's let's take it a different way. So tell me how uh, how did how did you get in this crazy group of adventures? How did you meet my brother Jared's and how did you meet me and what what drew you into this kind of craziness? From my perspective, um, I met both of you guys at church. It was Life Church and more and um I met Jared because one of the guys that was at church was like, oh, hey, you like to do 
silly stuff. This guy does too. <laughs> you should meet him. And I met him, and it was Jared, and he had you had just finished a Boulder Ironman, I think was what it was, right? Oh, that's right. And you had a, a Jocko Willink style like Iron Man watch, <laughs> like not a GPS one, like one of those ones you buy at like Walmart's and stuff. And um, I was like, hey, cool, you know that's a cool watch you did, Iron Man. You know what watch did you use? You're like, uh, the one I'm wearing. I'm like, you ran a whole Iron Man on a Timex watch, like not even like a Garmin or an Apple Watch, nothing. No, yeah. And I was like, what about your swim trainer? Yeah, I just kind of just timed it in the pool, you know? And I thought, I was like, holy smokes, I'm not even at this guy's level. This guy is, <laughs> this guy is such a savage. He doesn't even care about time. You know, he's all about just, I'm all about training, bro. You know? And uh, so that was the first time I had met Jared. And then with you guys being brothers, I ended up meeting Jeff through you guys at church and stuff. And, and Jeff's like the exact opposite. He has seven watches. <laughs> they can tell him everything about his life from heart rate to who he's going to, you know, meet next week. The meal you ate is at this point in your digestive tract. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jeff is much of a gearhead, and, and, and Jared's just more of like, oh, you know, hey, we'll just do it. You know, why don't you guys tell me about the race, you know, here. <laughs> what are we doing again that I signed you all up for? How do you, Chief, what's the, I mean, one of the questions that I've gotten, and I know you guys have gotten it too, is you're busy, you're a a chief in the Navy, you've got a wife, you've got kids. How do you work what we do into that life um, and, and and not sacrifice things that are really, really important? How do you do that? I don't do it easily. I tell you that uh, with the military, our hours are changed. I mean, I do not work an eight to five. I work a five in the morning to what in the military we say fifteen hundred, fifteen thirty, which would be three three thirty in the afternoon. Or I might get up and I might be at work at seven in the morning and I might work till uh, six seven o'clock at night. The hours are always evolving and always changing based on our current mission requirements and. My, literally, my only key to success of why I'm able to do this is because of my spouse. My wife is so supportive in what I do. She allows me to be flexible in accomplishing these these goals I have. But at the same time, I make it a point to not make it a burden on our family. And when we're doing, for example, we talked about in the last uh, episode with you on Ironman training and how the training was so... Uh, requiring, I mean, it required so much for us to do it. and Just time, even. I, I mean, it just was, it was really requirement. It wasn't a physical part. It was a time part, right? And I remember, you know, hey, I got up. I remember I was telling you guys earlier when we were running around the Draper here was I remember being up at four in the morning, running around my block, just hoping somebody wouldn't call the cops, thinking I was stealing <laughs> stuff. You know, that. but that's what it takes. I had to get up at four. I had to get, I had... And I'm not a guy that gets up well either. I'm just like you. I, I do not get up. I said, you said it this morning when you showed up for our run this morning. Who in the world said 6.15 was a good start time? Uh, your buddy Rich that didn't show up. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm not a get up guy either. And But for me to get up, I lay my clothes out in the morning. I put my shoes. I put my socks. I, I put my coffee in the deal. I make it as least burdensome as possible for me to get up. Oh, that's good. That's I, eliminate all of the reasons why when your 100%. alarm goes off yes. and you're in bed, yep. you 
say, ah, no, I'm not getting up. I eliminate all those things. I eliminate all obstacles. Any obstacle I have to get me out that door, besides me literally physically opening that door, I want to try to eliminate. So if that's a decision of, well, I can't find my sweatpants or I can't find my shorts. Well, I'm not going to get up and go run all this. I'll just do it later. No, I eliminate that because I know who I am and I know what excuses that I will create. And so I eliminate those excuses for me because I'm a different person today than I will be in the morning when I wake up. And I know that I'm battling that person that wakes up in the morning. It's a battle against myself. And so that battle is excuses. And those excuses will create me not doing what I want to do. And so I will eliminate, I will eliminate, I will eliminate those excuses from myself so I don't uh, get up in the morning. I don't go train. So, yeah, I, I would run in the morning. And then I would swim in the afternoon. Have you ever considered just going to sleep in your entire outfit for the next? Morning? I actually, I actually have done that before oh, too. Please. So don't do that. If anybody is listening and you think that might be a do good idea, do that. don't sleep in your shoes and your sweats and everything else. Your your spouse is going to hate you. Well, not your shoes. I don't wear my shoes. But if it's clean. And I know it's a super early morning run, and I want to try to just like make it as streamlined as possible. I actually have done that before. Uh, I, I draw slept. the line. I draw the line there. Oh man, I refuse <laughs> I to for sleep sure in anything. Period. You sleep naked? Hey, whatever it takes. This is about you, not me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Chief, I got one for you. So, um, when we first met, uh, we actually had life group together. That's how I met you. That's right, and yeah. your family. Right. And your kids, and uh, that was right after my brother Jared said, "Hey, there's this guy at church that uh, thinks we're crazy because we don't track stuff when we train." I was like, "Really?" He's like, "Yeah, he's he's like a serious training guy." And I was like, "Okay, great." Well, then I find out who you are, and then I find out kind of some of the things you've done and what kind of runner you are. And one of the things that keeps people from joining a group of people to train with and stuff like that is because they think, oh my gosh, I can't do that. Oh gosh, I can't keep up. Oh gosh, you know, they can do so much and I, I'm nowhere near that level yet. And that happened to me when I thought about running with you for the first time. And what I, what I really want to know is I, I want to know kind of, you know, what, what have you done in the past as far as races and competitions that led you to this point and, and what benefit do you see in the group training or having people join you no matter the level and just kind of letting that accountability be a little bit more than, you know, somebody who's maybe at a different level than you are? Great. I have to write down notes here because you've had such a phenomenal question there. <laughs> well, thank so you. I don't consider myself that great of a runner at the end of the day, honestly. Um, both my parents were runners. And so running is a very much genetical, or genetic, genetic at the end of the day. I'm pronouncing every word incorrectly today. I'm sorry. Genetics at the end of the day, running is very much involved with genetics. Um, you can run and be a good runner at the end of the day, but people, it's just like anything else. Some people are blessed with some things over other people. Luckily, uh, I was blessed with the ability to to, to run run well, um, I wouldn't consider myself elite by no po- point at, at, at any means, but um, I was never much of a runner growing up. I ran cross country in high school, so that was my initial start into running. Uh, after that, though, when I joined the Navy, I didn't really run much. I wanted to go lift weights at the gym. I wanted, when you're on deployment, you're not running on an aircraft carrier, you're lifting weights. And so 
for years and years and years, I was part of what you would say the three mile club. We have two performance uh, evaluations for our physical fitness. And each one of those is a mile and a half run. And so I would only run when I was required to run for the Navy. So I was part of the three mile club. So I didn't run at all. And uh, my wife was doing a long run and some type of race. I can't remember what it was. And she wanted me to do it. And I was like, no, absolutely not. I'm not going to run 13 miles. That's just silly. And uh, at the end of the day, I don't remember how it is, but I did that. I did a... um, half marathon by myself. My wife created a medal out of the end of a soup can and put 13.1 on it for me. And it's my favorite medal I've ever had. Oh my God. It's my favorite medal. I've never heard that this is awesome. I've never heard this either. Oh my God. We were living in Pensacola, go, Florida. Yeah. I mean, that was what I was talking about. The first episode of being nervous about getting up and running a half in the morning. I'm like, Holy smokes. You know? She is supportive, man. That's how supportive she is. Soup can medals. She made a medal when I was out man. running. Man, my wife is really under pressure now. <laughs> That's it. She's nowhere near that. Soup can medals. Sweet potato burritos. I'm waiting on medals. sweet potato burritos. Oh, my gosh. Medals out of soup cans. It's just, this is getting ugly. Our wives were friends. <laughs> They're no longer friends anymore. But I came home, and she gave me, and the kids were infants at that point. She put this medal on me, and, and I was like, holy cow. That was super cool, and that was my favorite medal I've ever had. And then, like we mentioned earlier... Uh, we did the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon together. My wife didn't have a very good race, and I will leave it at that. And so, does that mean you left her in the race? Is that I wanted to? Oh, oh, geez. She kept We're... telling me, "Just leave me. I'll I'll meet you at the end." I'm like, "No, uh, I've been married long enough to know that that is not a real truthful answer. <laughs> uh, just meeting me at the end is not an embracing hug. It's not a." Hey, I'm so glad you're here waiting on me. It's like, why did you leave me? And so I ran the whole thing with her. And I had trained so hard for her, I felt like I didn't really push myself well enough. So I went and did the Joplin Marathon a few weeks later. And my buddy Drew, so you better be listening. I'm not even going to tell you about this, Drew, so you, I'll know if you're listening to the podcast. But I, he's my other buddy, a part of this crew that I talk into silly stuff. Jared talks us into silly stuff. And then... <laughs> That trickles into Drew. I talk into silly <laughs> stuff to do with, with us. And he's such a cool dude. But he went out and ran the Joplin. Him and I ran the Joplin together. After that, again, it's that addictive part of doing runs. It's like, okay, 26.2. I had a great race at Joplin. It was very difficult. I was cramping. Uh, we can go a whole other story on that. But um, all right, who am I? Who, who am I deep down inside and how do I find that again? Okay, I'll do an ultra. What's an ultra? So I'm Googling ultras. I'm like, 50Ks. I'm like, I don't even know what kilometers are. I'm, I'm, I'm American. So what's that in miles? Uh, okay, 31 miles. Check. All right, so uh, I'll do this. So I ran my first uh, 50K or, or ultra marathon, as you would say, and it was off-road, which I much prefer trails over, over pavement. The trails are so much more forgiving. They're easier on the body. You're enjoying nature and you're getting back to the essence of who we are as humans is being out in the woods and running and, and the whole nine. And I ended up doing the post Oak 50 K in Tulsa, which is a phenomenal race. I highly recommend it. If you're wanting to get into an ultra, it's a few laps, great venue, great swag, great aid stations. And I remember at the end and I'm, this is a soft flex. Some of the Navy guys big, like, Oh, you're flexing on your podcast. But <laughs> 
I remember at the end, they said, hey, before you leave, make sure you come by the table. Because the community is so cool. It's more of like, hey, guys, I'm glad you're here to show up. I'm glad you're running. Let's just go out and kick it off. But hey, at the end, make sure you go through the race director in case you want a medal. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's not going to be me. I'm my first ever race. And I remember at the end, my wife said, hey, make sure that you go by the race director. I was like, hey, sir, my name's Jared. And I'm sure there's nothing here for me. But you wanted me to check out with you. And he's like, well, hold on. Let me look. Well, you won your age division. I'm like, he's like, you got fourth overall. I'm like, uh, are you sure you got the right guy? This is my bib number. He's like, no, that's definitely you, man. You won your age group. I was like, holy crap. Maybe Did maybe, he tell you there were only two guys in your age group? <laughs> well, there was four guys total, but I don't feel like that's important. <laughs> I don't feel like that's important. How long did it take you to tell the next five people? <laughs> exactly. And, uh. I was like, well, maybe there's something here. Maybe there's something. I, I've always thought, well, I've never really found my niche in life. I've never found something that I felt like I succeeded in compared to other people. And I was like, well, maybe ultra running's it. Maybe that's my thing. I didn't even realize it. So uh, from the Post Oak, I did the Mountie Mustang 50K down uh, in Colgate, Oklahoma, which is near Ada, which is a cool, cool race because it, it benefits wild Mustangs. And them to keep feeding those guys, the, the horses and stuff. And they're able to bring more more horses on. So uh, races isn't just about medals and swag. And sometimes it's about the benefits of the community around you. And just getting together. And, and what we mentioned in the last podcast was that running community of coming together and just doing cool stuff together. And, and maybe for a good cause. And so I did the Mountie Mustang 50K. Uh, then I met Jeff through our life group. And Jeff taught me into this really stupid race <laughs> called the Wachita Switchbacks 50K. <laughs> hey, guy, I, you've done some 50Ks. You should do that one. Okay. And so I remember I signed up. I was training. And I got up that morning, and it was a blizzard in Oklahoma. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'm definitely going to run this race. Me and the kids in the minivan with and the wife. And we. this is how supportive my wife is again. I'm going to give you another shout-out, Beth. But... We drove through a snowstorm just to get there. And I remember going up the hill in a minivan. It was like sliding around because the snow was so packed. It was crazy. It was really snowing then. Super yeah. snowing. And Beth's like, she had all these cool things for the kids to do while I was out running. Like, we're going to have a fire. We're going to have whatever. It was so snowing. She had to stay in a minivan for the whole race. And so I remember going up the I got there and the race director was like, well, we're going to cancel the 50K because of the blizzard. I'm like, dude, I went and drove all the way down here. If, to Broken Bow area, and it was quite a far drive from Moore, Oklahoma at the time. Like, I wouldn't drove here if I wasn't doing the 50K. Like, I want my trucker hat and all that stuff that you're supposed to get when you finish. <laughs> He's like, hey, sorry, guy, you know, and, and um, we took off for the race, and, I mean, it was a blizzard the whole time. I had no idea where I was running. I had to follow the blazers. It wasn't, I couldn't see the trail. There was no trail because the snow was so thick. And <laughs> you had to go through a river a couple times during that race. And my wife had this genius idea. I will give you a genius. She's like, buy waterproof socks. I was like, dude, they don't make waterproof socks. That's the silliest thing I've ever heard. You know, they really do. They make waterproof socks out of neoprene, basically. Well, the problem is there was so much snow and rain that it happened. The river was up to your waist. <laughs> it was supposed to be to like your ankles. And so I'm running through the river and I'm like, oh, no, it's getting deeper and deeper, deeper, deeper. Next thing I know, my waterproof socks are full of water. The issue with <laughs> waterproof socks are water doesn't get in, nor does water leave. And so 
So I'm like squishing around the trail for like a mile and finally I had to pull over and like crab it out. You know, I'm on my back, like shaking my feet in the air, just trying to get water out of my, my waterproof sock. And uh, I ran all the way up, ran back. We ended up doing, I think it was an 18 mile race that time, but it was fun because it was in a blizzard. It was something abnormal that I really, really enjoyed apart that race. Yeah. Um, you probably hey, got, oh, oh. you go ahead. Let me, all right. You've given your wife so many good shout outs. I feel like she might be feeling too confident. So I'm going to I'm gonna have to ask you a real question about it. <laughs> Tell me how your wife's idea of peanut butter and honey. <laughs> I knew this was coming up. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. I got to know that. <laughs> so it was peanut butter and jelly. I wanted Uncrustable for our Lakina 70.3 race. I wanted to do Uncrustables because... I like the sugars from the jelly. I like the protein from the peanut butter and the carbohydrates from the bread. And my wife says... You don't have to explain why Uncrustables are amazing. <laughs> well, no, everyone agrees with that. I mean, if like, you don't, there's something wrong with you. Everyone knows that. Um, she says, well, I've got this Uncrustable maker. I, I make Uncrustables for the kids all the time. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, uh, I guess, will you please make me some Uncrustables for the race? Sure. Well, there was no quality assurance behind the Uncrustable maker. <laughs> I just assumed... That you make a half peanut butter, half jelly Uncrustable, and you fire that sucker off. How you could know? you mess that up, oh, right? I mean, I I don't want to assume anything, but I feel like that may be pretty well within your wheelhouse. <laughs> and, you can make a metal. No, this is, you this didn't is make nothing. a metal. And I remember, yeah, I, I hauled these things. I never ate one of them. I hauled them all the way out to La Quina, all the way out to California. We're on the race. They were frozen. I put them on a pack. I'm on the bike. And I just came out of the coldest swim I've ever had. And we'll talk about that later. <laughs> and I'm biking and I hit my, I drink my first water bottle. I'm like, all right, cool. I had it planned where I was going to get the water off the aid stations at Lakina. And I grabbed those water bottles from them. I was like, all right, I'm going to get some calories in at this point. And so I grabbed one of those uh, Uncrustables. I fire one of those suckers off. I bite into it and, and it is pure peanut butter. And I am so dehydrated at this point. I'm so cold. I'm on a bike in the middle of California desert. And I'm like literally panicking because it's stuck to the roof of my mouth. And all I could do was curse my wife. I stuck the peanut butter sandwich to the to the sky. I said, Beth, why didn't you stick some jelly at this sucker? And I was so panicked at the point. I dropped all my water off my bike because I'm trying to suck water down. And I'm so ticked off that this peanut butter sandwich is no jelly in it and I stick my water bottle in the holder and it falls and I grab the other one I'm sucking down water and I'm trying to force this thing down it's the only nutrition I have at this point and I miss the holder again with the other water bottle for 20 miles I've got peanut butter basically stuck to the roof of my mouth <laughs> I couldn't wait to get on my phone and call my wife when I got done with that race so that's my story behind the Uncrustables so 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 she decided no jelly, just peanut butter. Je well, she swears up and down she stuck jelly in that. But into the bottle. None to be detected. <laughs> it must have been absorbed in the bread. Because I didn't find it anywhere in that sandwich. Oh, that's funny. That's, so, that's she, you know, like even your story about you running your first ultra marathon and winning your age group and getting fourth overall, you know, I, I think people listening may think, golly, He's just a runner. It's just natural. It's just easy. One of the things that I've seen about you through our training together is when there's a training plan, 
you do it, right? I, I'm a, I've got a plan, but that plan changes through the week. I miss runs. I try to make up runs. One of the things I've seen about you is when we select a training plan for a specific race, Chief's doing that training. Yeah, that that's what I had mentioned earlier. I'm much of a, a plan follower. And so I really rely on the success of others. You know, if you don't learn from others' mistakes, you'll you'll end up repeating them. And so if somebody's had success in a race and they say, hey, this is the training plan that got me there, then that's what I want to follow. And I will get up. I will make sure I follow those training runs. I'll make sure that I get it done properly. Okay, Chief, I got one more question, and then we'll get to the lightning round and wrap things up. But I do want to say, just this is not my question, but when you went down to do that Washita switchbacks in the blizzard, you sent me a picture from the trail, snow-covered and everything, and I will never forget, I thought at that moment, this this guy is one of us. This guy will do things no matter what. And that to me speaks volumes of when you set your mind to do something, you do it. And I think when I, when I surround myself with people who are like that, it's easier for me to succeed in things that are hard because I know I'm surrounded by people who do what they say. And so I, I always appreciated that. And you probably don't even remember doing that. And that was a huge kind of confirmation of you in in my inner circle oh, that's uh, a great, training with. Yeah. That's such a good point. And, and, yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't remember sending that to I know you, you don't. So. I know you don't. And, it probably didn't mean anything to you other than I can't believe you got me out here in this the snow. This is your fault. I you can't believe you got me out here in the snow. see how cold I am? And I will tell you, the second I got that, I was like, okay, like I... I am totally leveling up with this guy. We're this on the is, same uh, wavelength, right? Yes, yes. And this is great. There was some questions that had came through on our first podcast to say, okay, cool, you guys are doing this kind of stuff, but how do I do it? Like, how do you guys do it? And you guys are part, so much part of my training as much as my training is. And so if I had any recommendation for anybody out there that's wanting to do this kind of stuff, but you don't know how to do it or you don't have a training plan or whatever the case may be is to find like-minded individuals that want to do life with you and finding those guys that want to get up at six fifteen and go do that 13 mile run with you. That's where your success will be. Your success will be having a community around you and running with people that want to do the same things you want to do. They want to find that abnormal thing in life and tackle it or whatever the case may be. And like today, running around Draper with you guys, and we talked about earlier, this is our, this is our country club. And I, I so much enjoy our runs. I so much enjoy doing this podcast with you. I look forward to it every weekend. We get together. And that's where your success will be is when you're starting to enjoy the next run because you get together, get to get to get together with your guys and, Get away from life, work, put the phone away, turn your cell phone off, leave it in the car and go for a run with the guys and then record a podcast. That's the fun part. And uh, just a plug for, for Draper as it is. I mean, if you're in Oklahoma and you haven't run around Draper Lake, you are really missing out. It's probably one of the better things that, that Oklahoma City has done in general is they paved beautiful running, biking paved trail around the whole lake it's about 13 13 and a half miles and it's beautiful the lake's great and uh, the community is super cool 
everybody waves at you. Everybody encourages you to keep running. So there's some serious hills. If oh, you need hill work. There's no kidding. Hills. On the north side, there's some. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's hills. why my buddy bugged out today. Uh, it's like hills. Wait a second. I don't want to continue to call him out, but um, <laughs> I ran the hills and you didn't. So um, good luck, I guess, on your on your yeah. race today. Hey, chief. Before we get to the lightning round, I've got a couple questions. As as you sit here today, you know you're almost eight months, seven eight months out from the Leadville 100 race. What what scares you about it? My biggest fear is bringing my friends and family along to ask me that I'm asking them to be a part of who, what I'm doing and not succeeding. That is absolutely probably deep down my biggest fear. Like my buddy Drew, we talked about me talking him into crazy all the time. Well, he signed up for Leadville. I'm hoping he gets in this year. I pray that he gets in. If he doesn't, he's going to pace me in the last 50. Well, how am I going to feel if I can't get to 50? And my buddy flew from Florida all the way, spent his own hard-earned money to fly out to help me, and I can't make it. Or my wife, all this planning she's done for me on my race, my like the, the food I want to eat, whatever, they, whatever it is, and I, I can't succeed based off the fact I can't get out of bed every morning and go get my runs done before the family gets up. That's what the other part that makes probably my motivation is I tell myself, like, are you willing to fail at the race because you weren't willing to sacrifice a little bit of comfort to be uncomfortable? Um, so, okay, hey, yeah, it's really nice to be in bed at four in the morning. I, I think it's probably the most comfortable place in the world. It's warm. Uh, you've been sleeping. But is that going to get you across the finish line of Leadville? No, sure isn't. Getting up, putting your shoes on, and going out that door and running, that's going to get you across Leadville. And so that's probably my biggest fear. Letting other people down. Letting other people down. Yeah. And not even let myself down. Because I can I can be okay with failure of my own, but when I ask people to be a part of that and then fail, I'm not just failing just myself. It's it's such a great point because there is there is no part of this that is individual. There is no part of this that doesn't involve other people, right? I mean it's even even us sitting here right now. You know, there was a sacrifice made by somebody else for us to come do this training run this morning, for us to do this podcast. Yes. You know, I mean, my wife woke up at home this morning with our four kids, and I wasn't there. Nope. To do, you know, and so it, it's it's such a great point that one of the things that is motivational and, and that really just kind of keeps you committed to it is... It's not just about you at the end of the day because there is a group of people that are sacrificing along the way. And honestly, they're all invested in the success of that, right? I mean, I, I, I can so much relate to what you're saying of there is a fear to me of if I can't do this, it's not, it's not just me. It's not I'm going to have to deal with myself, which I am. But it's also everybody else rearranged their life too. And the mission was we make this happen. We get to the end. And and when that doesn't happen, it's mission failure for everybody involved, not just me. Oh, great point. And that's a part of the success too with your spouse. If you're having that issue of getting that buy-in is bring them along into your training. Incorporate them in the decisions that you're making on a day-to-day 
trading a run, ask them to help do fake aid stations while you're doing long runs. Make them a part of what you're doing and you're going to find success. And you maybe, I know I've had that with my wife is I, I incorporate her with what I'm doing and it makes her a part of the game plan. It makes her part of the training, makes her part of the race. And so uh, everybody has buy-in at the end of the day. Great point. Lightning round? Lightning round. All right, Chief. Here we go. Lightning round, which means you got a quick answers. Don't think about it. Quick them. answers. Are you ready? Yep. What's your favorite movie? Well, Tombstone, just like yours, and that's how we met initially. It was like we both had the same name, Jared, and we both love the classic Hall of Famer movie of Tombstone. How, how could we not be best friends? I feel same like name, it was meant to be. Same yeah. movie. You asked me to do a roundhouse kick in your garage, and I couldn't do it, but we're still best friends. <laughs> we both have a Kurt Russell mustache. <laughs> Wait, that's just me. Never mind. I've been aiming for that for a while. Kurt Russell mustache. You just wanted to plug that in. If I ever get Kurt Russell tombstone mustache, oh yeah, my life's complete. In game. Is there anything else? If you go into a trial with a mustache like that, nobody will ever want to debate you. <laughs> what is a book um, that you would say, hey, listeners, read this book. It'll change your life because it changed mine. Mine will be a little bit more business-oriented or organizational-oriented, but it was the uh, book by Dale Carnegie about how to win fl- friends and influence people. That was a big changer for me when it came to leadership uh, in the Navy and who I am as a person and understanding what it is to have a relationship with the people that you work with. Great. What's your favorite meal? So my um, my grandmother from Kansas is, is German and she made a uh, meal called Burox. And what it is is she would make homemade rolls stuffed with sauerkraut and ground beef and uh, would bake those. And my wife makes them for me uh, every other, every, every once in a while. And it's my literally my favorite food in the whole wide world. Dip it in a little bit of ketchup. It's awesome. There are a lot of people very surprised that it's not sweet potato burritos right now. As, as, good, as good as they are, Beth, they, it's not sweet potato burritos. What's what's the best uh, race you've ever done? Boy, you got me off guard on that one. Um, best race that I've ever done. The Watchtall Switchbacks was really fun because of the conditions, but the best race, not to lean on what you said, just because our names are the same, but Lakina was so much fun because we I really felt like we got to know each other on a different level at that point when it was just us three that went out. Uh, we had a great Airbnb there. Palm Man. Springs is super fun. That's, in December. I mean, it was, was just... Great. Remember the trail running we did the yes. day before or whatever? Dude, I mean, we, we biked around Palm uh, Springs yeah. just goofing off. It was a good hey, time. Jeff, what did Chief's face look like the first time he stuck his head under the water in Palm Springs? Oh, gosh. So the, the story actually starts when you left us because you didn't want to stay in line. Well, I want to bring to that story in. up for all another podcast. So, <laughs> so you were like, I'm not waiting around for this. I'm going to get in. So Chief and I are looking at each other like, um, well, I, I'm a rule follower. Are you a rule follower? So we're a rule follower. So we stayed in line. And then you go through, they, they funnel you like cattle through this thing and you walk across the mat and chip time starts. And you go through the, the Iron Man like uh, blow up thing and you're in the water. We're 10 yards into the water. So knees first, waist first, and then dive in. So we're to, you can still stand at this point. You can still stand up. And I'm I'm taking a breath over there, and I'm like, Chief is 
out of the water. He has, I can't tell if his goggles are on because his eyes are as big as his goggles. And he's got his mouth open like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Can you please tell him how cold it was? And he looks at me and he's like, we're done. We're done. We're not doing this. This is way too cold. And I'm like, keep going. Keep like going. Balmy keep going. Keep degrees, going. Wasn't it? I mean, it was pretty beautiful. I think the water was like 57, 58. It was nowhere near Lake Tahoe cold. I'll tell you that. Um, oh, you really call me out on the But podcast. I'm going to tell you when he finally decided, we were probably 200 yards in before the turn, when he yeah. finally decided that, okay, we're in. Yeah, it's going to be a cold headache the entire swim. He was gone. I never saw him after that. So, podcasters listening in here. Um, <laughs> that water was like 54 to begin with. It was so cold, they were concerned that we couldn't swim. I want yeah. to lay that out. And I had a sleeveless wetsuit. I will say there were people in line that were talking about not swimming, but I feel like they were kind of uh, from the warmer climates. Okay, to give you background. There were I, no Savage Navy Chiefs in there no, talking there about was, no, backing no, out of the swim. No. <laughs> I'm from Kansas. We don't grow up a lot around a lot of water. And so cold water is like my kryptonite. And getting in that thing, I'm like, dude, I am so done. Jeff, I quit. Like, I'm done. But I'm thinking, like, there's so many people back at home that are, like, tuned into this race just to see what I'm doing. And I'm going to flounder at the first 50 meters. There was I a tried... small part of me that thought that you were bailing. Like, oh, the look on your face was like, I am out of here. There was a large part of me that thought I was going to bail. <laughs> And there's like boats going everywhere because people were like drowning. Like, don't don't yeah. kid yourself. This is a war zone out there. People were dropping really quick. <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculously oh crazy. There I were like two people who <laughs> dropped. The cold water gets a few people, zone. and they they pull them out with like jet skis and Listen, stuff like that. But. Google it. It was for real. <laughs> that was hard. I remember I finally swam it. I couldn't. My face would go in the water. I could not blow water out of my nose. The water was so cold. That's how cold it was. I swim my, my head above water for 500 meters just to try to get acclimated to it. Finally finished. The, I remember getting done and people were coming out of the water and were cramping. And I would help this dude take his wetsuit off because he was cramped because of the oh, temperature you're, difference. You're just, your body didn't work. When you got out of that swim yeah. trying to get your wetsuit off, you're just eating sure. your muscles. There's no blood flow like to your feet nope. or you can't uh, stand over there. and you're super disoriented. I the was like, the oh, first yeah, that was few tough. miles on the bike, you felt nothing. Brutal. Yeah. Oh, okay, last question, then we're okay. wrapping it up. When you're in Leadville and you're suffering, oh, it's bad. What is the one thought in your mind that makes you keep going? Much of our training has been around this, and this is kind of the motto that got me out of bed this morning, and, and I hope will carry me across the finish line. But is as we mentioned on the first podcast, was embrace the suck. Like, be happy that you're here. Like, okay, this sucks. It hurts. I'm, I'm, I'm the most uncomfortable I've ever been in my entire life. But be happy that you're here. Embrace it. This is a, this is something that will change you forever. You will never, ever, ever forget this race. Don't remember it as a negative thing. Remember it as a positive thing. So, embrace it. Enjoy yourself. And realize that you signed, that Jared signed you up for this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chief, that's awesome. This has been great getting to know you. And uh, I want to kind of get out of this episode with uh, you sharing with us um, the beer that we brought. Since we've talked about one every episode, I feel like we should keep that rolling. So tell us a little bit about this. Okay, well, here, beer commercial. Oklahoma beer commercial. Again, Anthem Brewing, Rad Ombre. 
So it's a it's a cool little beer. It's uh, really enjoyable. It's got a very good logo, and it's a uh, Mexican style lager. So uh, I recommend it. I think it's a good beer, and uh, that's about it to it. All right, Chief. Where do they find you on social media? Well, Savage Navy Chief on Instagram. Jeff. Jeff Boyer, Facebook. I'm Iron Man Lawyer. And if you guys have anything you want to know about Chief that we didn't ask him, email us, 3okrunners at gmail.com. We'll see y'all later.